0: Do you know who's having herself a week, Mom? Who? The exact person you would think of.
1: Okay, let me think. Um, famous person? Extremely. J-Lo?
0: Ooh, more famous.
1: Oh, more famous than J-Lo?
0: Yeah, and older.
1: Uh, I, pfft.
0: The Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth oh, II. Oh, wow. She has been all over the news Pretty much for all the stuff you would think a 95-year-old would be all over the news for.
1: I got to say, she wouldn't have been my first guess. Okay? That's kind of why just, I asked you. you. Know, yeah. if,
0: if you would have nailed that, it wouldn't have been nearly yeah. as fun. But JLo was a good guess. <laughs> so at the beginning of the week, she was seen attending a major event in public for the first time with a cane. Mm,
1: did she not use a cane when she went to her husband's funeral? No. She had used
0: a cane back in 2003 after knee surgery, but she has never attended a large-scale event, a public event with a cane.
1: I think, though, during the funeral, my recollection is it was intimate. It was family. She always had a hold of somebody.
0: She, oh, I'm sure. I listen at 95 years old, walking around London, England, wherever. Everything is cobblestone. You better be grabbing onto somebody. She
1: could be my mom, and I probably need more help than she does. Oh well,
0: yeah, clearly. I after to, truth be told, yeah, we, we trust us. We have talked enough about this podcast, Deb falling down, where where you are in good company with the Queen of England needing to hold on to somebody. So and yet
1: I won't embrace the word clumsy. It no, will not happen. No, nope, it's nope, nope, always nope, the
0: ground's fault.
1: The ground's fault.
0: So she was seen with a cane. Princess Margaret handed her the cane when she got out of a car. And what's interesting wait, is wait,
1: wait, wait. Princess Margaret has passed Princess away. Anne. Okay, princess thank Anne.
0: You. Princess Anne handed her a cane. And what's interesting is when I think of princess, I think of like really young yeah. and youthful and vibrant. Princess mm-hmm. Anne is like 70 something. Yeah. yeah. Very much yeah. older than I anticipated.
1: Princess Anne is older than Charles. Oh, is she? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I still don't understand the family tree I mean, I at all. I think
1: she is. Gosh, as I say that now, it makes me wonder. I feel like she's older than Charles.
0: They all look super old to me, so that checks out. (laughs) Then later on in the week, she came out and said she's no longer drinking alcohol. She has an evening Mm -hmm. martini, and she says, per the doctor's recommendations, Mm -hmm. she's giving it up because the doctors have advised the queen to forego alcohol except for special occasions to ensure she is healthy as possible for her busy autumn schedule and ahead of her platinum jubilee celebration next June. Deb, tell us what a platinum jubilee
1: is. Uh, platinum jubilee yep. is a 100-year anniversary, 50-year anniversary. Close, right in between. 50. Right in between. 75. There you go. Yeah, I knew platinum wasn't 50. That's why it was 100, but I was like confused.
0: Can you believe she's been she's going to be the queen of England for 75 I know. freaking years?
1: So isn't it amazing? And okay, let's not refer to the crown as true fact. And no, it's
0: gospel. As far as I'm concerned as an American, the okay. crown itself is gospel. But
1: I think we have a good idea of how they all live. Not right? great. Not It's not fun. That your entire life was dedicated to, and I'm not saying, I, I don't mean it like just to be the queen, but it's, like it's boring it's a stupid boring life I, I don't want to say that but it is because i do believe it has purpose i don't I do believe she has some influence
0: well she definitely has influence
1: but it's just so
0: dumb and boring correct oh. you're right to say that do you, by the way side question do you know how many countries she has like dominion over well let's which see. is still way more than you would think
1: not as many as she used to right but it's still uh, way
0: more than you would think
1: i'm just gonna guess the number okay go for it 14 more What? Way more. Like 32?
0: More. What? Yep.
1: Do you have the list there?
0: I just have the number. 48? 54. 54 provinces, territories that England still has some form Mm. of dominion over that she oversees.
1: Do you think she's still counting us? No, 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 no. I mean, they, in the quiet of her heart.
0: Well, I think they all do. I think every <laughs> single person from England counts us as Dominion. And then the last thing that came to light this weekend was she apparently attended the COP26 climate conference back in September. And it was overheard her saying, I'm going to try my best uh, Queen impression. It's very irritating when they talk about what they don't do in regards to climate change.
1: Ah. Oh. So
0: she she has co-opted the week from mm. being older, sobriety, and shaming every single politician globally. Mm. And for me, I think that's, listen, what else are you going to do? You're 95 years old, your husband's dead, your grandson's wife pretty much blames your family for every bad thing that's ever happened <laughs> exactly. to the entire family. You're going to be heading into your 75th year of reign, like I can't believe that she still has her wits about her, let alone is doing enough stuff to where it's it's newsworthy. I don't know that the first two things are newsworthy, but the last thing with the Queen of England is chastising global leaders for not doing anything. That's newsworthy.
1: That's for sure newsworthy. And I had a little in my brain, like a little vision of a Greta from Denmark popped up applauding her, you know, Greta, is it Greta?
0: Oh no. the 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 teen girl.
1: Yeah, but is it Greta?
0: Yeah, I think that's right.
1: Okay, you know, who Greta Thornburg, Gertrude Thornberg? I don't know. Greta Thornberg? I something. That sounds right. Everybody knows who we're talking about. And again, we're not a podcast based in facts.
0: No, no, no. no. And it's not to be confused with Greta Van Fleet, the band. No, no. That's no, no, that's no, a made of all that. men.
1: But out of all of this that you've told me about the queen, yeah. I have one thing that I can't get out of my mind. Okay. And so I I want to spend just a minute on this. Okay. The cane.
0: Oh, sure. Go back to it.
1: Okay. So, I've never used a cane. I've used crutches, right? I mean... We've definitely put Deb in a wheelchair. (laughs) Not permanently. No,
0: no, no, no. She walks into this room all by herself every single time we record. Did she brace the wall sometimes? Sure. But that's because the dogs are underfoot.
1: (laughs) You just this morning in the kitchen went,
0: watch out. Oh, yeah. Well, the other day, I saw Izzy creep to your (laughs) what would have been like your flank and you for sure didn't see her. And so I just propped you up on the shoulder until the dog moved because I didn't trust that you weren't going to go tumbling over.
1: Yeah. So sad, my life. But so. You mentioned cobblestones, which if anyone has been to any country, I mean, Boston has cobblestones. Oh, yeah. I mean, big where time. there's lots of cobblestones, they are a nightmare for women's modern shoes. Okay? Oh, yeah. Bad uh, for I mean, high heels. Completely horrible for high heels. And really even horrible for a hard shoe. You want like a softer sole. I mean, Skechers. You know, Skechers are what you yeah. want. Exactly. Yep. So the cane, it can't be a wooden bottom. Oh, I, I don't think it, I have a
0: picture of the cane, though, sadly. It can't sadly. be.
1: But Wait. It can't be just, it needs to be the tripod cane. One
0: of the infomercial canes Yes. that has the three rubber all-terrain grips. Is it
1: called the frog cane or something like that? Deb, I
0: don't know that we know the cane's (laughs) name, but I'm going to now Google to see if (laughs) Deb is correct on the frog cane, because that means she's been doing some research (laughs) on the frog cane. Uh, 43 frog walking cane ideas?
1: (laughs) frog walk.
0: That takes us to Pinterest. No, no, and these are just the uh, the grips, the handles of the canes mm. would be frogs. So I don't I don't think it's referencing the ground. So portion. I hope
1: that she has the cane that has the three things. I don't the think they would that let has her the really wide
0: First off. Wide. First off, we know that the British royalty has stolen enough canes from every country that they probably have mm a whole storage locker full of them that she gets to choose from. Old but
1: canes. but
0: there's no way that she's walking out there with like a titanium triple <laughs> fold three prong cane. Like ah. she has to w- absolutely use something that is stately. And that even if that means somebody else has to support her, she in no way gets to just like walk
1: around with what you would find at the local senior center. But think of it. Think of it. If she gets out of the car, she's got this little thing in her hand. Yeah. She pushes a button. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. The cane goes out. The final button, the three-pronged frog goes out. Here's a question. I love it.
0: If she w- needed to be in a wheelchair, do you think they bring her out anymore? Mm. Do you think they roll her out on the cobblestone, altering?
1: You know what I mean? I think they make sure she's not on the cobblestone. I'm trying to think if I've seen... You know, The only person that I can think of note in a wheelchair is Teddy Roosevelt. And it felt very regal. Sure. I mean, because he had that high back cane kind of... Which
0: again, I think most people even in the time didn't even know he was in a wheelchair.
1: So, I mean, I think if she's alive and she's absolutely in her right mind, I think if a wheelchair it is, if it's a wheelchair.
0: Or does some big strapping old British guy just carry her around?
1: Or they might have just, we only see her... In transport mode. Does that make sense? Like the Pope. Is that, like a, is no, that, like, she'll get a pope like a car. gear for her? She'll get a pop car. Where somebody inside the garage puts her in the car.
0: Carries her, lifts her, puts her lifts in the her, back seat. She puts her in the car. She waves.
1: She waves. She looks stately in yep. the car. But there we don't ever actually see the transport. Oh, team then they go her. like
0: underground and the next time we see her, she's sitting down in a
1: pew the next time we see her, she's sitting in the back of a limousine waving. I mean, we never actually see, so we won't see her greeting people. Have I asked you how much longer do you think she's going to live? This is just they a total live guess. Forever. I know. How much longer
0: do you think she's going to I got?
1: mean, after I watched The Crown, I had an appreciation- Back to The Crown. For the stress in her life. Sure. Because it would seem like a stress-free life, and it's not. It's not at all. It, it,
0: but what's, what's ironic is, if you were just willing to give up to the tradition of it all mm-hmm. and and just be brain dead mm-hmm. it would it would be super stressful because you your entire life is mapped out for you you have no say but if you're trying to still be you know a human being it's right. extremely stressful
1: if she's old enough to be my mom which i said she was earlier like she's up there
0: she's old enough to be literally everybody's mother
1: <laughs> she she's the mother of the world right now right yes i i mean i don't know like if a doctor just told her to quit drinking one martini doesn't that feel like we're on a slippery slope or a funny ledge? One martini?
0: I, I mean, listen, I, I'm at the point, and again, this, this goes into that they have no freedom of their own, right? At 95 years old, you get to do whatever the hell you want to do. Like, I don't, especially as the queen, again, the crown... Shows that they don't have <laughs> much of any choice in anything they do. Right, right. But you're going to tell me at 95, I'm 95. Like, I'm on borrowed time. This is house money, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I will
0: drink my freaking martini yes. and walk with two canes if I need you. I'm the queen of England. You exactly. will carry me everywhere exactly. I need to go. Telling me what I can and can't do as it relates to Ah, martini because let's be honest this thing isn't like brimming at the top this isn't a james bond style martini she doesn't
1: do jiggly martini she's a little martini she
0: probably sips it two or three times and then passes out and they just hold a mirror under her nose every morning to make sure she's still alive
1: here's the real problem the guy that serves her the martini yeah and then there's the guy that watches her drink the martini sure
0: and then there's the guy that rubs the the rim of the glass so that her lipstick isn't on it. Yeah, all those guys. <laughs> all, oh, and then there's God. a guy who lifts up her blanket so she farts. It clean cleans it out. Yeah, all those guys.
1: Those. Guys. <laughs> I <laughs> want to finish this sentence, and I can't.
0: <laughs> all those guys. All thirty-seven people in her room at night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> those are the guys. That decided she shouldn't have the martini sure. anymore, and they told the doctor. And then,
0: no, no, see, you're wrong, you're absolutely wrong. Those are the guys who are now getting welfare <laughs> checks because their jobs were taken from them, their oh. $100,000 a year jobs were taken from them.
1: I'm telling you, we had uh, your aunt, Aunt Isabel, and Grandma Isabel, she had as she would say, one or two fingers of scotch yep. every night. I think it served her well, and I think it let her live to be a good 96 and pass away in her sleep in a way that all of us could imagine and didn't have heartache. You
0: only have so much to look forward to after a certain age. And you and I have talked about aging to take away probably one of the few things that she looks forward to that nighttime martini probably (laughs) won't see that platinum (laughs) Jubilee. (laughs) Let's start the podcast.
1: Welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. One is a Harvard business school alum. The other is her son discussing business,
0: pop culture, family, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Deb and Kev. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the Deb and Kev podcast. Across from me is the SpongeBob SquarePants of this Krusty Krab podcast. It's my mom, Deb. I'm Deb. And I'm Patrick Starr, living beside her in Bikini Bottom. I'm her son, Kev. And this is our podcast. I I googled famous duos, and this was the first one that came up.
1: Isn't there also a Gary?
0: Uh, yeah, he's the pet snail. Okay, that makes works. sense. <laughs> yeah, and and in the room next door is our dad, the snail Gary. <laughs> On today's show, it's week four in the tent, and we are recapping all the dessert week drama of the Great British Bake Off. During Deb's business segment, she'll talk to you right there. You, she's talking to you about owning your personality flaws and taking measures to mitigate them. Plus, we have three brand new questions for dear Debbie, and like a fly in a spider web. We'll wrap this episode up with what we are thankful for and what's for dinner. But first, Deb, tell us about that tooth.
1: Oh, I broke down. Like crying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. First, I broke down crying. Yep. Uh, I slept the last several nights. It is weird. It'll wake me up in the night. It'll hurt so bad.
0: Because it's a sharp, jagged bone jabbing your, to- because your tongue. Because little,
1: when the rest of you is sleeping, your tongue is still at work oh, yeah. doing things, moving. Yeah, and so like I did things like it's, one of the things said take a cotton ball. So you have to get the cotton ball wet, and I, ugh, it's ridiculous what I've gone through. So last night, yeah, you saw me.
0: You're sitting in the chair. We're watching (laughs) television.
1: Like we have one chair in the house. A
0: single chair. I was sitting on the floor just petting the dogs, using their belly as a pillow. You're sitting in in the chair. And again, only things that families will do in front of each other. And you don't even look at me and you go, well, I think it's time. And I'm like, what? And I see you reach over and there's in this little drawer, we have a nail file. You pull out the nail file. I'm like, oh. (laughs) Oh, no. And you stick it into your like you stick a metal (laughs) nail file into your mouth, and I'm like, you got to do it hard, (laughs) as if I have any experience with filing my teeth down. Oh god! And and to your credit, you 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 moved it and jostled it back and forth Mm -hmm. enough to where you were clearly shaving something. Sure. Did it do anything for you?
1: So (laughs) I feel. Who knows. I well, feel, you should, because it I should either be a nub or it like should still be sharp. Bit. I do feel like a little bit. Okay. Here's kind of the thing that's weird is it's the last tooth. Yeah. So nail files are very sharp on the end. So when I stick that thing into my mouth and I shave, the pointy end is pecking at something.
0: Oh, of the nail file.
1: But and that's the, only temporary. It's <laughs> only temporary. But my mouth is sensitive all over there.
0: Well, I mean, listen, it's it's short-term versus long-term. Well,
1: the other thing, too, is because you don't know exactly how you're shaving, which is why they don't use nail files in dentistry. They use those little Dremel things, yeah. right? Is zing, zing. you can create another sharp edge with a nail file. Oh,
0: like, right. Because you're filing it down yes. flat, yes. but then that flat could have
1: corners on it. Exactly. But I feel like those corners are at least poking out and well, not up. one would hope. It does feel ever so slightly better. So I woke up this morning and I thought, "Mm, maybe better. Now, do you know that when I say like the bottom of your tongue, I'm pointing to my neck, but the bottom of your tongue like gets tired? Do you know like if you've, have you ever, I'm trying to think of how this would work.
0: Yeah, please. Keep keep thinking (laughs) because I have no earthly idea what you're talking about. Stretch your
1: tongue over to one side. Yeah. At the bottom, do you feel a little pull in the back?
0: Everybody do this at home with me.
1: Yeah, do it. Do it. Take your tongue.
0: Keep it in a normal position. Yeah. Move it all the way over to the right.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, mm mm-hmm. I can feel that when I do it. Okay,
0: now move it all the way over to the left. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think maybe I have a long tongue because it's pressing against the inside of my cheek and I don't feel any tension anywhere.
1: So one of the things that is sore and that when you kind of hear it sometimes when I talk is like the back of my tongue, the base of my tongue. Oh, yeah. Deb
0: also might be sick though. So there's that too.
1: I could be sick. Now I've convinced myself that there's a tumor back there. Do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> you are my mother.
1: That is completely yeah. unrelated. And you probably have to diabetes. The tooth thing I have, yeah. but you know the dentist has been called. An appointment has been made. It'll soon. Everything will be right with the world. And as much as I'm whining and crying about this, there are many other things to be thankful. for. I
0: mean, for I'll this. be really honest with you. I would have. I would. Have, I would have filed all of my teeth down to stop this. I would have tried to pull that tooth out. I would not have endured that as long as you have. I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to live like this.
1: I texted the dentist, and I think it helped me because I got such sympathy sure. and compassion and sort of an apology. I mean, like, it's not his fault at all, but, you know, all of that. That kind of rode me through for a little while. I did obviously take to, as we said, to the metal, you know, um, nail file thing, I think a little bit. I'm living with it. I think I've consumed way too many Tylenol. Uh, I might have stolen one of Dad's um, Vicodin and broken in half. One. Took half. I, I would have taken Only the whole bottle, and that did help a lot. But uh, it is, it, you know, it's the example we gave in the very beginning, which is so foolish. If we're comparing this to anybody that has any real problems, it's the paper cut that won't heal. Yeah. It's just, ugh.
0: Listen, nobody's saying that this is the equivalent of you having cancer or losing a limb, but the small stuff, the Mm -hmm. nagging stuff, the thing that throws a wrench in your everyday that's just top of mind, and even when you forget about it for 10 seconds and then your tongue touches it again, Mm -hmm. oftentimes those are the worst things, just the small things, the the, the pebble in your shoe, right? It's, It's terrible. I get it. But kudos to you for- going full-fledged savage mode and filing your own teeth.
1: And in a short period of time, I'll be sitting at the dentist, never so happy to have seen him. Let's make our way over to a country that
0: doesn't care about dental hygiene. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. It is week four in the great British Bake Off tent. And this week we are doing
1: desserts. This is one of my favorite weeks. I realized- Dessert week is- Well, I love bread week, only because I don't bake bread at all. Right. So I love to see what they do. But really, like dessert week, when I look at things and think, ooh, could I do that? I mean, in most cases, it's could I do part of that? Not all of that. But could I do that? I really like dessert week.
0: So here's one of the... they, They start off with the signature. And I always love when they do desserts that we could eat, because then I can sink my metaphorical teeth into Mm. it, right? I
1: agree, because we're gluten-free.
0: So their first uh, signature challenge was pavlova. And pavlova Mm. is nothing more than a meringue shell kind of cake, right, with with a filling Mm -hmm. inside. And this week was going to be difficult for a couple reasons. One, because meringue is hard to work with, and it's warm in England right now, apparently. Or when they shot that. When they shot that we we have people who are consistently at the bottom now who like we pretty much know who's going to be going home in the next couple weeks if if their performances stay stay true and then because we're dealing with egg whites our girl Freya is in the crosshairs cuz she's going straight vegan right
1: so it's really going to be interesting to see i don't feel that Paul Hollywood is very sensitive to the whole vegan thing no not not so, at all because
0: because it's she's self-imposing it
1: right Though I do feel when she's successful at it, he's cheering for her a little bit. For sure. I do feel like Prue's kind of cheering for her. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like I mean, come how do you here.
0: not cheer for the pretty 19 year old who is making this difficult competition more difficult on herself?
1: And said, I'm going to stick to my moral choice. I Have mean, you ever tried to make choice. meringue? Oh, I've made meringue.
0: Have you made a meringue shell?
1: Um, no, but I've made little meringues. You don't like little meringues like you like to eat? I feel like you
0: were living in Texas and I tried to make meringue once. Mm-hmm. Why? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. It, it did not go well. It all melted and it was not on high heat.
1: I've made French macarons. Okay. Those are meringue, right?
0: The cookie, the, the sandwiches? Show. Are those meringue? I thought those were made with almond flour.
1: I have the recipe, but I feel like there's a lot of meringue going on in there.
0: I don't think so. No? I don't think anybody would tell you that's meringue. I could be a thousand percent wrong because, well, maybe you're right,
1: but I it's but right. it's
0: made with almond flour. Meringue is just egg whites and sugar.
1: No. They're, they're, well, maybe a combo. Maybe it's a combo. Um, the, the interesting thing about the meringue is that you'll hear some of them say, I'm making American meringue, or I'm making English meringue, yeah. or I'm making-
0: American meringue, you make it with uh, bacon fat
1: right right and you just exactly. put
0: macaroni and cheese but in it. it
1: is you know if you think about you love little Marion cookies just plain the little swirl uh like the ones that look kind of like a little yeah. twisted kiss yeah if if you think about that cookie when it's made right there's the airy stuff that you get on top yep. then there's the little bit of chew yep. on the bottom that's perfection when the bite has both of those things in it correct not just crackly all the way through crackly all the way through crackly isn't good
0: no but i'll tell you i i really like the the aesthetic of these pavlova cakes they're they're very beautiful you can be um kind of whimsical with how you make it because it's meringue and if it's stiff enough it'll pretty much hold the position that you put it in so you can make swirls you can make kind of uh leaves or feathers type if mm. being intricate and so then it comes down to the filling and i'll say that this week felt like a perfect representation of the hierarchy of this season, right? Mm-hmm. So at the very top, we had Christelle, mm-hmm. my boy Jurgen was back, and I believe Paul Hollywood said, Our Jurgen is back.
1: Our Jurgen.
0: And then, um, side note about Jurgen, um, clearly he's been hearing a lot of German jokes lately <laughs> because very early on in the episode, he said, um, My wife is Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> he came out real quick after putting a baby in the oven as a German. The very next episode, I would say within the first five minutes, he made sure to say that his wife is Jewish. So we had Christelle at the top, Jürgen at the top, and then Chiggs got his Hollywood handshake.
1: I've been waiting for Chiggs. Yep. I love him. I love his smile. I love his positivity, his enthusiasm. And I didn't want him to just linger in the middle and get nothing. Yeah. So him getting a good... Look in the eye, handshake yeah. was just fabulous, and I don't I don't remember exactly what he said, but it's like I can die now. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Absolutely. Like that.
0: And then at the bottom, we kind of had the same the same usual suspects. We had mm-hmm. Amanda, George, and Maggie. And so moving into the technical challenge, I, I will tell you this: when I hear the name of this uh, dessert, it always sounds better than it actually looks. Pavlova. No, no, no. Oh. The technical challenge. They had to make four individual mm. sticky toffee puddings with triangle tweels and creme anglaise. I actually think when I think of um, sticky toffee, I think of almost uh, bread pudding. Like it's like it's mm. clumps yep. of really yep. sticky, that. caramely, cinnamony um, bread pudding like mm-hmm. dessert, but it's really just a sponge.
1: It's really just a sponge. It's definitely not a pudding by art. No, no, no. Perfect.
0: I mean, I, yeah, pudding is cake to them.
1: It's cakey, but it's, I want to say, if you were to look at it, it looks like a really wet bran muffin.
0: I think that, yeah, I think you're a thousand percent right. A it's, really it's, wet it's brand muffin. It's very dark. It's very brown. It's very molasses looking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like it's sweet, but it's not as sweet as I would think it would be. Like I, I view it as it should be the cousin to a cinnamon roll,
1: mm-hmm. almost. But then they do that thing where they put some of the a caramel in the caramel sauce. Right, in the bottom. In the bottom. So again, then it's like a very wet bran muffin is what it looks like, but it shouldn't be wet. Yeah. It should be normal.
0: And and this was probably uh, some foreshadowing. Our our girl Maggie, who is oh. nothing but sweet, the most positive person that's probably ever been in that tent, super duper kind, laughs at everything, mm-hmm. pokes fun at herself. Didn't read the second page. Did not put flour in In the sticky toffee pudding.
1: It was the only item listed on the second page.
0: Flour. She didn't put flour in the baked
1: item. And she even made a joke. Where's the flour?
0: Right. (laughs) She didn't put flour in the baked item. So when... And
1: again, Maggie, look around. Everybody's visible to you.
0: Well, that's the other thing is like, you got to cheat a little bit.
1: I would go stand next to somebody. I'd be like, hey,
0: yeah, no, no. So what you do is you're English, right? So you all have tea. And if you're kind of (laughs) somewhat confused, you take a big, deep breath. You have your cup of tea. Oh, yeah. And you just kind of walk over. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I'm a little ahead of schedule. How's everything going around here? And if you see (laughs) what looks like flour on the workstation, you get your ass back to your table and you start putting flour in. So she looks at what's baking and it's nothing. There's nothing baking. It's just sugar.
1: It only filled up
0: her tin, like a quarter. She has caramel Baking essentially just <laughs> in a muffin tin, and so when she pours it out, I have these notes out. When she pours it out, it it looked like uh, where do my notes are here? It looked like someone either completely pooped on her plate <laughs> or they said, The challenge is to cook with a flamethrower. Have yeah, at it. This yeah. thing was just a charcoal burkette, it was burnt black, it was bad, but it, it was, was runny so bad,
1: black, which was so weird. That it, was, it was runny black, it
0: was just totally. I mean, as far as missteps go, I don't think there's been a worse misstep in that tent than yeah, what she did—not yeah. adding flour to the sticky toffee pudding. It's like, lady, you're 70 years old, you're English, you bet you've baked before. In what world does flour not belong in this thing?
1: But I'm gonna give her points and a for gold star. What for saying when they got to hers and she got her low score? Yeah, she said mine was gluten-free. That's true.
0: Very true. <laughs> very very true. Uh so on the on the bottom of that we had Maggie, Amanda, and George. Stop me if you've heard those names. And then on the top, we had Chiggs, Lizzie, and Jurgen came in first. And I I just love Jurgen. Oh, I love him I so much. He Don't get it. He's weird and he's quirky and he's goofy and his eyebrows are way too long. Although I'm I I do believe that they're slowly trimming them as the season goes on. <laughs> if you look at the first episodes. Jurgen eyebrows compared mm-hmm. to this week's episode there, they're either brushing them or they're trimming them down over time. So then the final uh, challenge is the showstopper and they have to create a celebratory Jaconde cake. Deb, mm-hmm. why don't you inform everybody about what a jacquande cake is?
1: A jaconde <laughs> is the, the collar around the cake. Yep. It's- uh, And what's it named after? It's like Elizabethan and Jacobean drama, a piece of th- uh, collar that someone wore in a prior century. It, we have, it's Am actually- I close?
0: I mean, you pulled a lot of words that I know sounded good coming out of your mouth, but weren't actually applicable to this. <laughs> oh, okay, I tried. So yeah. uh, La Jaconde is a reference to the Mona Lisa.
1: Yeah, 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 it's, that color. It's
0: Italian heritage. yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think that kind of has anything to do with anything. <laughs> so it's like if they make a Swiss roll, sometimes they'll, they'll put the print down first and then they'll pour mm-hmm. the batter on mm-hmm. top so that when they pull it out, there's a nice imprint. Yep. It's the exact same thing. And you, you use like half almond flour, half normal flour because it's apparently more pliable. And then you add in bavois, right? Bavoie?
1: Bavoie. There's an R in there. I don't Remember? think, but
0: they're, it's French. bavois. I think I'm. I, I think it's like a Bob Wah.
1: Uh,
0: Freya was like bobwa. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, Freya was like Bob Bobwa. Because it's five syllables yeah. on the end of every. And then
0: you can add some other layers of like sponge or uh, ganache or really anything, but the, the 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 thing you need, the element that you need, is that detailed jaconde mm-hmm. cake
1: mm-hmm. collar. Mm-hmm. The collar is the big. Deal. The
0: collar is the big thing, and uh, I mean the The only reason that I, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, but the only reason this episode lacked kind of drama is because Maggie again just failed okay. miserably. she she pulled her collar out way too fast, went to try to peel it up and it was still liquid. So then she scrapped that and then went back to bake a new collar. Meanwhile, she hadn't made any filling nothing. And half of half of the recipe for this cake is if you're going to use like a gel or a bavo mm-hmm. or a ganache, mm-hmm. you have to put it in the freezer to set. Yeah, And yep. so she's eating into her time of the cake going into the freezer to set, where everybody else is like calm, cool, and collected. The only other person who kind of struggled was Amanda. And if Amanda's on the show, next week I'll be floored because well, I mean, like, I don't think we're giving anything away with who got voted off, but but everybody else. I mean, was nails they yeah, were perfect yeah. in execution, besides Maggie,
1: you know, you saw her when she started scraping up her cake well said, well
0: she tried she tried to peel it, and it just all fell apart because it was still raw at that point,
1: it was so raw. I would have thrown it back
0: in. the I don't oven. get why you don't throw it back in the oven.
1: I don't either. Try, I'd rather have it be try.
0: I'd rather have it be overbaked right that part. Then than trying to remake yeah, it. I agree. And then knowing that the stuff that needs to set isn't going to have time I agree. to set. I agree. So um the top the top performers in that challenge were Jurgen, Giuseppe, Christelle, and Chiggs. And the bottom was, say it with me, Amanda, Amanda George, George, and Maggie. Maggie. And again, Maggie was so sweet. Maggie was so sincere. Uh she's she was the light of the tent. I'm not sure there was a single person that would say they wouldn't miss her, but Chiggs ended up getting Star Baker for the week. Yay. And Maggie was, I mean, I think Maggie was halfway down the aisle giving a handshake before they announced who was going <laughs> home. So but I'll I say this, so and this is a fact that, that, that came to mind. There's been four weeks. There's been three winners. Mm-hmm. All of them are men.
1: You know, when you said that last night, I mean, it just hadn't occurred to me. But- We have yet to have a star baker female like that is the closest one
0: is Christelle and she has been outpaced by a guy handedly every single like she is very consistent Freya is this was tough for Freya because I think dessert week as it related to these challenges and her vegan choice Mm -hmm. did not perform well. But Christelle and Freya are oftentimes very consistent, but their consistency doesn't bring them to the upper echelons of the Chigs, the Jurgens, and the Giuseppes, because those dudes are on a totally different level. Yeah, yeah, Like if it's not those three, one of them will have had to fail miserably.
1: Oh, for sure. I do think though that a week could come where it won't, the vegan thing will not hinder Freya. And that's her opportunity, you know, to really show her stuff, where her ingredients will actually be the right ingredients to make whatever's required. Uh, at, at least I keep hoping. I meant to I ask keep you, what's
0: that. aquafaba? She Aqu- used that instead of uh, egg whites.
1: Aquafaba is the water of um, garbanzo beans or That's chickpeas. Right. Yep, yep, you're right.
0: I knew that. Yep. I know. I knew I knew that. Perfect. No better segue than talking about garbanzo bean water than talking about Deb's business segment. Deb, talk to us about, as individuals... Owning our own personality flaws, which is typically a bad thing, but then taking measures to mitigate them in the workplace.
1: So I read this article and I really liked it because it was super, super candid about, okay. you know, typical personality flaws that we see. And meaning that the majority of the people in the workplace, especially in leadership, have some of these, right? And so I want to kind of go through them. I want to talk about them. I want to talk about how you can own them. I'm going to be vulnerable here, Kevin. I hope you will be as well. If you think you might have one of these personality flaws, sure. or a tidbit here or there, um, so I'll be—I I'll be, mean,
0: I'll be really honest with you. I'm probably just going to sit back. I don't—I'm not sure any of this is going to resonate with me. I'll just let you carry this, and I'll just—I mean, I'll—I'll I'll agree so that you have—you know—somebody to bounce these off of. Mm-hmm. But in no way are any of these going to
1: because resonate think- with me. If you have these personality flaws, and if you can at least say, hey, I think a little bit bit of me is this way, then it helps make you a better leader to hit it head on and deal with it.
0: This feels like it's going to be a pretty one-sided conversation here. Okay.
1: If you err on the side of overconfidence and chronic certainty.
0: Yep. That sounds about right. (laughs) Are they saying that's a bad thing? Because I see that as a top-notch skill set. Okay,
1: So... That would be something I might see in you. Chronic certainty feels like that's a thing for sure. That sounds like
0: something that is um, a byproduct of taking like uh, some blood thinner is chronic certainty.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so chances are, if you're that type of person, you fall into the trap of pushing for unrealistic targets and unrealistic goals.
0: Oh, no, no. I'm just chronically certain about myself. (laughs) <laughs> I'm yeah. not, I'm not necessarily chronically certain about the business yeah. or my coworkers or what we're doing No, I'm just chronically certain about myself.
1: So what you end up doing is over-promising okay. because you've created a narrative, right? Yeah. That is so firm that it, I mean, you've not listened to anybody else for that kind of person. And I do think this could be difficult for that kind of person is really the answer is to surround yourself with a couple dissenters. I mean, people that, you know, will say something else. People that you know are comfortable and confident to say, I don't know if that's going to go that way, or "Mm, that's kind of a tight schedule, a little aggressive, I think, over-promising maybe a little. I don't know, though. Here's the interesting part. If you err on the side of overconfidence and chronic certainty, like it takes another pretty strong personality in there to wiggle in and convince you. That you might not be absolutely right. That there might be an, I and probably the way is to convince somebody that there's another way. Not that it's not that you're wrong, but that there's another way. That
0: that in no way applies to me. I mean, I as a human being, I am chronically certain of myself. As a as somebody who works, who has clients, who's worked with other people, I I can easily be talked off something a thousand percent. Okay. Especially if somebody thinks like, especially if somebody's very adamant that their way. Is going to be better. I'm like, yeah, great. Let's 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 pursue that. Sure, and let's put the responsibility on your shoulders. Thousand percent.
1: And that really is. I think that's one of the keys. When people realize that there's shared responsibility, that is the benefit of all of that. I mean, they're shouldering the burden with you. Totally agree. So if you go with somebody else's idea, they're excited, but also now they're invested, right? Yep. In it turning out the way they want it to. So if you tend to be a bit impulsive, that would be me for sure. Um, I can't, resi- I literally can't resist the excitement of a new idea, at least exploring it. I mean, there are some things that, I, and they're probably not new ideas that fall into the uh uh-uh, uh same old, and I'll I can poo poo those all day. But really, if it hits me as unique, or if it hits me as innovative, or we haven't gone there before, I can be super impulsive and just want to throw everything at it, and go at it. So if I'm like that, then I should surround myself with some external sources that I'm going to say are a little bit more, what would be the word, practical? A little bit more Level-headed. A little bit more level-headed. A little bit more maybe seasoned in the thing we're talking about. Because if I don't do that, I mean, the kind of person that would give me some data... That would Because for me personally, that would speak to me. Data will pull me off a ledge really, really fast. So if I look like I'm going to go somewhere, and let's keep in mind, when you go somewhere like that, when you're super impulsive, it can often cost money, manpower, time, energy, and lead you nowhere. I don't think this is either one of us, so it may be hard for us to speak to, but we can certainly do it in a judgmental way, Kevin, about others. If you're overly controlling and stifle creative ideas from your employees. I'm overly controlling
0: in my normal life. As it relates to other people's ideas, I can never have enough.
1: Yeah. I, I am happy to hear great ideas from other people. Yep, I am happy and especially really creative, out-of-the-box things. I can be there all day long. I don't feel compelled to control that. Um, If somebody doesn't feel compelled to control me, I don't feel compelled to control them. Um, But if you are that way, here's what you need to know. You're basically a micromanager or you're a micromanager a little bit here and there. And a bad boss. And what does micromanaging do? It erodes trust. At the end of the day, that's all it does. It erodes trust, and it causes the person that you're micromanaging to question themselves in a way that it erodes their own confidence. So this in no way like, is ever good. And so what, you do, what should you do? You have to find people you trust. It's kind of just the opposite. Instead of eroding trust, you have to find people you trust that you can hear. I mean, in other words, you're giving them the space to speak what is true. And so- If I were a micromanager and I had somebody that I really did trust and I really did enjoy and I valued their opinion, and I might say, listen, I'm really trying to break myself of this thing because I know that I'm stifling trust. I know I'm stifling creativity. I know that I'm affecting everybody's own self-esteem by doing this. It's a bad habit. I don't want to do it. I need for you to intercede ever so gently when you see that happening, and that is hard. I think that is really hard because I think most micromanagers tell themselves a different story. It's like they tell themselves nobody else is as capable as they are, that they're always right. You know what I mean? The story they're telling themselves. There's
0: not enough I sentences. There's too many you sentences exactly. in a micromanager.
1: Exactly. So I do want to say to assume that somebody could actually have that conversation with anybody is a big assumption. Because that is that is a tight box you've painted yourself into. Agreed. And the last one we're going to talk about is, which I don't think you and I, I mean, I have this a little bit. I mean, I do have this a little bit. I certainly over the years have gotten rid of it. I don't think you have it at all. And I'm going to take credit for the way I raised you. But um, I wish I were more like you <laughs> if you worry about what others think.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing. Of course, everybody worries about what others think. We all do. That's like, that is ingrained in us.
1: Do you, Kev?
0: I don't let it affect me. Of course, I worry about but what do others think. But you worry think. about in your heart? Like, give me, give me an example. Give me an example of where you might
1: worry. Oh, God, I could worry about anything. I could worry about somebody thinking I'm not smart enough or creative enough or, I don't know. I don't know. Or, I don't know, articulate enough or attractive enough or whatever. Maybe
0: I don't worry about what other people think. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I get, I get, I listen, I, I am very confident with myself. I believe that I can adapt to any situation. I believe I can have most conversations, even if I'm not adept at the, at the topic at hand. I certainly don't worry about being smart enough. I certainly don't worry about, um, uh, being able to succeed in whatever task is being asked of me. But I think it's because if I genuinely don't know it, I feel a 1000% comfortable asking for help or soliciting advice from somebody else or looking at somebody being like, hey, I understand that this is on my plate. Here are some things that are going to help me get it done in an expeditious type of way. Can can I have like 10 minutes of your time? I guess my worry is not the right word, because if I'm going to worry about something, that's not productive, right? right? But if I'm uncertain or not sure or think there's a, a potential pitfall ahead of me, then I try to get out in front of it in the form of, well, you know, praising myself like Kevin, you have the skill set to be able to do this. Why are you worrying about this? This is just new, but you've done stuff like this before, or saying, holy crap, you don't know anything about this. Go to the person who assigned it to you. Go to a the client, go to a coworker and say, I know you have some experience with this. Can you please just help fill in these gaps and then I can take it the rest of the way because i think oftentimes if you're if you're sitting there being worried you're unwilling to speak up for yourself.
1: So, i love what you say because every instance that you're talking about is you're driving yourself towards action. Correct. And i think one of the things that happens if i'm worried about what Lucy thinks, what Frank thinks, what Joe thinks, and then how am i going to do it? Then we get a lot of the analysis paralysis kind of thing, yep. right? where I'm just overthinking it and I'm never driven to action. Totally. So I do think the key to that is number one, try to put those voices out of your head and then, and keep in mind, you're putting those voices in your head. Um, get those voices out of your head and then really just say, and I will say this to myself, in a perfect world, what is it I want to do? In a perfect world, who is it I want to be? In a perfect world, you know what can somebody count on from me? So I just go to really what I know, if that makes sense. And then it will drive me to the action that you spoke about, which is really where we want to go. Because I think once we start moving, we kind of quit caring a little bit about those voices and what other people think.
0: Well, I would say this, Uh, I think, and we've talked about this before, if you're not going to be your biggest advocate, then you're not going to have an advocate, right? And if you're worried professionally about asking for help I mean, have you ever asked somebody out on a date before? That's infinitely harder than going to a coworker or a boss and saying, hey, I'm I'm like 90% of the way there. Can you help me? If you've ever asked somebody out on a date, whether on a dating app or whether in real life, that takes 10 times bigger stones than asking somebody for help in the workplace. And so if you've ever done that, or if you've ever thought about doing that, or if you have ever direct messaged somebody, you've already done something that is allowing you to feel more confident about yourself to where in the workplace, where everybody should in theory be pulling in the same direction, you should, that should be an easy email, you know, Slack chat, just stop by the water cooler, go into somebody's cubicle and be like, hey, Tony assigned me this. I need like five minutes of your help just to be able to connect these dots and then I'll get out of your hair and whatever you need help with moving forward, I'm your guy.
1: So- in a perfect world yes we certainly know that there's competition in the workplace where people may or may not feel comfortable doing that but if we really true as leaders if we are true leaders and we embrace the terms that we you know throw around all the time and if we are a team then absolutely any team member should be able to go to another team member and ask for guidance or assistance, or direction, or just say, hey, I want to spitball this thing with you. Talk it through with me, right? I mean, Absolutely, 100%. So I just think that these are common. These are four personality traits that we often see harbored in one individual. Did you say four? I thought we
0: only did three. What were the four? We did four. Read them to me. I thought it was the chronic constipation.
1: We did... uh, Err on the side of overconfidence and chronic certainty. Got it. Uh, tend to be impulsive. Got it. If you're overly controlling and stifle creative ideas. Oh, I didn't employees. I didn't hear the impulsive one. Okay. And then if you worry about what others think. Got or. it. I so, don't
0: think I'm overly impulsive. I think I'm pretty weighed and measured, going back to the no, second one. No, you're pretty
1: weighed and measured, for sure. But uh, what I think we forget about sometimes is we say, he or she is a micromanager, or he or she is controlling. They may be. But also, we can all be a composite of a lot of these totally. things, and I think that's the kind of stuff where, again, we talk about this over and over and over. Um, and it's probably the hill that I'm going to die on. Is you know, you've got to take weigh and measure of yourself, you know, first because that's really the only place that you ultimately have control to make change, yeah. right? And don't worry about what other people think. Those well,
0: those people are equally as worried about what you think.
1: I, you know, in today's world. How can we? No. You I mean, can't. how can we? It's gonna
0: there is enough outside forces acting against you, whether intentionally or otherwise, right. don't be one of those forces don't, for yourself. Yeah.
1: No, no, no. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we're we're capable, we're competent. Um, there is somebody in this world that is cheering for you, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. I mean, so go forth with that. We're Seriously. cheering for
0: you. We're cheering for you for sure. Unless you're a bad person that we're not cheering for you. Maybe
1: we're cheering for you.
0: Dear Deborah, we're not cheering for the bad okay, people. Okay. But they're fun to cheer for. Yeah. Dear Debbie questions. Three of them, two professional, one fairly funny. And mm-hmm. this one, this week, the funny one, is pretty funny. Okay, good. First question. Dear Debbie. Yes. Even during these times when so many people are out of work, I'm seeing that some young people do not want to work hard. Am I wrong to say that? I've hired two recent college grads in the past two months, and can you believe it? They don't show up to work, meaning to a Zoom call on time. They arrive 10 to 20 minutes late to meetings without even an acknowledgement that they were late. I don't want to seem like a crotchety old boss too late, but I don't (laughs) get it. I'm giving them a chance to work at a time when I need their undivided attention and focus, and I'm not getting it. How can I motivate? Can I just point out things... Go ahead. that stick out to me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm an older millennial. I'm 37 years old. Yeah, I still think of myself as an advocate for my younger millennials, older Gen Zs. When you say I am giving them a chance to work mm-hmm. at a time when I need their undivided attention and focus, you're not giving me anything. I'm giving you something. Mm-hmm. That's how I view that. Like, you're not You're not giving me anything. There's nothing you're giving me. I am there to work. I'm not there to live. I'm not there to make this job my passion. If this is your business, that's awesome. That's your business, but you're not giving me anything. You're going to give me money for services rendered.
1: Do you look at it as opportunity?
0: I mean, I guess depending on the industry, but again, this isn't like this isn't one singular thing. This I'm assuming this person works in an industry where there are many other options for me to go work. It's competitive. In the world of 2021, where everybody is begging for people to come work, you're not giving me anything.
1: So here may be one of the things where, because uh, we're really talking about a Zoom meeting here. That's what she's talking about.
0: Well, I think she's talking about it. I think she used the Zoom meeting as a reference point of like, oh, you can't even turn your computer on in time. Like you can't you can't even just go through that. To which I would say you're you're a thousand percent right. If this is a chronic issue to where you have Zoom meetings that people are showing up ten to twenty minutes late for, that's an issue. But I can't help but think there's some entitlement with the person writing this email saying, Look at what I'm providing to these people. It's it's a job.
1: Well, it's a job, and and the basic construct of a job is you show up and work, and I pay you. Agreed. That's basically it. Yep. But as we well know, there are a lot of other expectations and innuendos built into employment by both the employer and the employee. I mean, that happens all the time. Correct. So what I really don't like is when, and I'll just say I'm a boomer, when a boomer makes this big, broad brush analysis over younger people. Yeah because I know plenty of younger people that work their butts off. I mean, no question about it. Here's what I would say. Just that question for face value. If you're 20 minutes too late to a Zoom, that is the most disrespectful thing on the planet. Agreed. I mean, said and done, okay? Now, let's, I mean, just, I agree with her. I'm with you, a thousand percent. It's totally disrespectful. Now, let me get to this. I will say there are some companies that have, way too many meetings or way too many meetings that I don't actually need to be at. I want there to be short meetings and I want them because the meetings are a huge chunk out of someone's day. Correct. The other part I want is that if it's not a meeting I need to be at, then don't, don't invite me. I mean, only include the people that really need to be there. And, and don't I,
0: hold my feet to the fire if I'm literally just there as a presence. Like, right. I, Clearly, there is a ton of gray in life, and if I'm if I'm the principal on this meeting and I'm conducting the meeting and I'm twenty minutes late, that's bad. That's bad, bad. Right? If I'm simply there as a face, as a figurehead, who's not adding anything other than like, "Hey, it's Kevin from accounting. So good to see all of you." Mm-hmm. Jan, how's the baby? And then I sit there for an hour and not saying anything. That's infinitely different.
1: Infinitely different. And so I think the thing with that that whole deal right there is. If I am a young Gen Z or a young millennial, and I have set in on a number of Zoom meetings that I really was like, why the heck am I here? I could be doing this other thing over there. That's when it starts to get the muddy water starts. I start to get a little bit late. She starts to get a little bit annoyed. And again, it's back to the communication. I just need to raise my hand and go, I haven't needed to be on half of these Zoom meetings, and I've got work to do, and I've got other pressing matters, right? It's not important for me to be here. So, I mean, I'm just creating another scenario that's a possibility, but I do think that what I created is common.
0: Last week, um, we were watching the news, and we were they were talking about the California um, backlog of ships that are trying to get into port, mm-hmm. Right. Usually they have like three ships waiting to come into port. It's over 100 right now because they can't find the manpower to do so. And I said to you, I said, what if everybody who worked their butts off during the pandemic, who worked in customer service and got treated like crap, who worked in the medical field and got treated like crap, said, screw this. I've had this side hustle. I'm going to spend all of my time and attention doing this. Or turn to like, there are jobs that you can do online from the comfort of your own house, assuming you just have a functional computer, where you can tra- transcribe captions, you can go check the interface, user interface of, of websites, things that you can just do in the comfort of your own home that you're not getting paid a ton for, but that it's totally autonomous, entirely up to you. What if when we start thinking about trying to employ people, we don't say stuff like, I'm giving you the opportunity to work. Instead, you say something to the effect of, we're trying to work together to make this company successful so that you can have a better career projection having worked here, right? What about like how about we turn this into a uh, a unity as opposed right. to me being some king or queen providing you a job. I'm giving you this thing.
1: So I interviewed a young professional uh, that was going to be wanted to work for somebody that I knew. And, uh, there was, I, I want to say a little bit of fragility to her, you know, but I really, really liked her, but I just wanted to make sure like not so fragile that she's not going to show up or that everything's not going to be a thing. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the end, we had a great conversation. And in the end, she said, I just want to make sure. And she'd said it a couple times. That I deserve to work for this person.
0: Interesting. And in
1: that moment, I said, we'll call her Susie. Hey, Suze. Susie, you need to listen to me. Right now, I am working for you. I am no longer working for the person that hired me to interview you. I am working for you. I need you to be quiet, and I need you to listen to me. You deserve everything she deserves. You are every bit as bright as she is. You are every bit as qualified as she is. You have the work ethic she does. You don't have any, there are no competencies or capabilities that you're missing. I said, you deserve her as much as she deserves the opportunity to work with you. I beg you that you look at that and that you hold that for what's true, because she deserves you as much as you deserve her. Don't change that narrative in your mind, because when we go into something like that, we throw ourselves on the bottom. It is so hard to work our way up to the top. Agreed. Now, this boss is wonderful and isn't the type to throw anybody on the bottom. The girl was crying at the end, and I didn't want her to cry, Jimmy. You know mean? But I think she was just hopefully good cry. You know, a little yeah, she touched. was touched. Um, she was touched. But here's the thing: we need to remember. We all have gifts and talents, and we are in a world where we have to adapt a little bit and appreciate each other's gifts and talents and realize that they show up looking differently than they traditionally have. That's really what it is. It's like the same gifts and talents are still there, they're all there. It's just that they appear different because they're coming from a different perspective. When a Gen Z says, I don't want to do it if it doesn't have purpose. And yet there is this little piece of a job that is like so ridiculous. How could you attach purpose to it? The Gen Z is smart enough to know that there's pieces of work they have to do. They're talking about the overall Correct. job, Correct. having purpose. So I just really, we, I mean, boomers need to get out of their heads. Gen Zs need to get out of their heads. And we need to come to that place where I hope this gal and I did last night, where we say we both deserve, right? Right. I yep. mean because that's the answer. Yeah. There should
0: the employer, the manager is in need of those employees mm-hmm. as much as that employee needs them. It's a two-way street. It right. should not be this hierarchy as it relates to the job itself. Within the job, of course, you report to one another, but it shouldn't be this. I'm telling you, when you start saying I'm giving you an opportunity, yeah. You're going to you're going to alienate 75% of these generations. Right. This is a long one, so bear with it. Dear Debbie, I have periodic calls with one of my clients right before we activate a project, and I dread the conversation every time. Like clockwork, she finds a way to berate me right before we start going over details of the project. The last conversation, I was not able to turn the other cheek. She, and she insinuated that I never follow up on the pointers she shares with me, so it seems like a waste of time for her to give them to me. That is patently untrue. I take copious notes and do my best to incorporate all the input she shares. Her blanket comments make it seem like I don't pay attention and don't respect her. I stood up for myself this time and said, I take offense to that statement. I do listen and incorporate your input. Her immediate response was to tell me I shouldn't take offense. We went back and forth a few more times until I said, let's just move on because she wouldn't back down. I'm not sure how to handle this. Constantly being put down and told I do a horrible job when it isn't true is hard for me. Standing up for myself doesn't seem to register to her as anything but annoyance. I hate this job, but I also need it. How can I survive?
1: Go look for another job right now. Start looking, put your feelers out there, throw your resume out, because that person can't hear anything. Right. I mean, you just have to go. Yep. I mean, I and I know... There are things about this job that you think you have to stay. You don't. You have to go.
0: There, I have worked with people exactly like this who what she's referencing isn't even about you. She mm-hmm. has had employees 10 years ago who yeah. she did the same thing with. And now she just assumes every single employee operates the exact same yeah. way. And she's going to hold all of them accountable for things they have never, ever done. And I can tell you this. If she gives you all these action items, she doesn't even remember half of them.
1: Well, and these action items for her, what I think they are, I think it's a, it's a way of micromanaging is what it is. Sure. Because she's really saying, I want it like this. I want it like that. I want it like this. Now, listen, if if you're my coworker and you're going to go get my coffee and I say, I want um, a cappuccino uh, with half and half and extra foam, that's really how I want it. Yep. I don't want a latte. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I mean, I really... But there's a lot of things in the workplace that you can allow people to put their own little signature on and it still is beautifully done.
0: This boss learned that management is nothing more than critiquing. It's constantly critiquing. It's holding people's feet to the fire. It's chastising them. And it's believing that through criticism, you're going to somehow get the best of them.
1: Which is all bred out of deep and dark insecurity. Yep. That's the thing you need to remember. But here's the deal. I'm also going to say that that is a therapy issue. It's not a coaching issue. I've worked with those people. You can coach and coach and coach and coach and coach. And at some point, and I've done it, said, have you thought about seeing a therapist?
0: You and I are both thinking about the same person in our head right now. Maybe. Maybe. This is that person. If somebody's <laughs> told me and I worked for that person, I'd be like, yeah, of course you did. Dear Debbie, I've been going out with a really nice guy for about a year. He spends the night at my house occasionally. I like that part. But what I hate is that his feet stink. Oh, when he takes off his no. shoes, the room fills with the smell of dirty socks. Mm. It's gross. I now light candles when I think he's going to come over, but that feels like a ridiculous mask for the funk. Mm-hmm. I need to tell him. What should I say about mm. his smelly feet? Mm. That, the smelly thing is hard. I feel like we have talked about smell on this podcast before, mm-hmm. but the smelly thing is hard. If somebody has bad breath, that's that's one thing. That, that, that could literally mm-hmm. just be a medical condition, halitosis, right? Hygiene? Hygiene is tough because hygiene could be a medical condition or it could just be laziness.
1: So here, now, listen. I think there are probably people where there is, I'm not a doctor, I don't know. I'm definitely not a foot doctor, but where- You've been to a lot of foot doctors, I've though. been to a lot of foot doctors. I will say they always say my feet are nice and smooth, and nice. You know, so does the girl that does my pedicures. They're like, Deb, we know your foot is falling apart, but boy,
0: does it smell good.
1: It smells good. Uh, but I do think there are, and I'm going to say guys, workout, extra sweat, athlete's foot, stuff like that. Where there really could be something going on. I'm wearing okay? slippers
0: without socks on right now. I know these things don't smell great. Oh, do you? But I wear them in the house, and but I do don't they take smell them off. So
1: bad that if you pulled your foot out, it would smell. No, I
0: don't think they're perfuming the room <laughs> okay. with rank odor.
1: Here's the first thing I would ask myself about this guy. I mean, is he this, hot? <laughs> is he hot, and do I have a future with him? I mean, because I don't know if I'm going to go down that road. That's a that's an investment. What if conversation. he likes it
0: when you kiss his toes, though?
1: I don't know. Uh, (laughs) If if he
0: was a foot fetish guy and he had smelly feet, you bail on that.
1: Bail on that for sure. This
0: is just a Kevin Zener tip right here. (laughs) If you're into feet, no judgment. I get it. Like when you Google a celebrity, the third thing that comes up is like Deb Zener feet, right? Like that's, (laughs) I get it. If you're into feet and your feet are smelly, shame on you. Shame on you because that's, that's your thing that you need to keep tight
1: this is mostly what i think smelly feet are from and now we're going to get some mds writing into us but this is i
0: love it when doctors reach out to us and tell us how wrong we are
1: i think it's like i'm gonna say a slipper or a shoe that should have been washed but can't be washed whatever okay i think it's wearing socks too many times
0: oh yeah okay you know
1: somebody just pulls on the same socks sure like i never do that but i mean no i'm with
0: you i don't do that either
1: um I think it is like, you know, if somebody is really, I mean, if you're really unaware of the smell, then you're not gonna take extra time in the shower to really wash your feet. I mean, that's right. the problem if he's unaware of it. I mean, the fact that he can't smell it is strange. But
0: he's gone nose blind.
1: Here's what I want to say. If he's hot and if she wants to stay with him, okay? Then I think what she has to do, this is what I would do.
0: Suck it up, buttercup.
1: <laughs> I would go by the the coolest. Exp- not most expensive, but a an investment Love pair it. of slippers. Love it. And I would say, give them to him as a gift to have at my house. This is in no way related to your foot odor, but look, I bought you slippers. And this is what I would say. I want you to have these, number mm-hmm. one, because you deserve them. They're the best. And so are you. However, you have some foot odor we need to talk about. Oh, yeah. And then I would say, I don't know if. It's oh, your you're shoes. addressing it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's your shoes. I don't know if it's your socks. I don't know. But when you take your shoes off in here, it's a lot. And so.
0: <laughs> it's a lot.
1: I, there's some special soap in the shower right now. I filled up the <laughs> bath.
0: It's warm. There's
1: Epsom salts in there.
0: I won't be joining you. <laughs> 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 So I, get, I did like candles though.
1: <laughs> I don't want to get any of that smelly feet stuff on me, right? Yeah. Um but I think you just have to go for it and do it. But I would probably do it with a really nice gift.
0: What if what <laughs> what if as he takes his shoes off? What mm. if cuz say that there are people who listen who who can who are not they can't attack the problem directly, right? It's right. too much for them. Yeah. As he takes his shoes off, yeah. which I imagine is next to you in the same general vicinity, <laughs> you have a can of Lysol spray hidden. <laughs> And you just whip it out and just spray it at his feet. That's awful. And then he'll have to say, what are you doing? And you'll be like, are you kidding me? What am I doing? I have no choice. And then you just keep holding the trigger down the entire time you're talking.
1: (laughs) How about this? Okay. This Mm -hmm. this might be the middle row. So they take their, let's say their tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. He takes the tennis shoes off Mm -hmm. and he takes the socks off. And and what if you just go, oh gosh, those are a little ripe. Grab them (laughs) up. go throw them in the washing machine like it's a one-time deal i have a better one okay he's
0: coming over to her house right 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 so when he comes to the front door she she's printed (laughs) off a note and she's put it on the front door and she says i can't say this to your face your feet smell horrible and there's an arrow pointing down and there's a bucket of soap with a sponge and then under the arrow it says scrub these feet i'll see you in 20 minutes
1: No, you don't think that's a good well, one. I think it's funny, but here's here's the problem: we don't even really know if it's his feet. What I'm saying is, it could be the shoes Got and it. socks. Fair. You know, okay. and now we haven't addressed those unless True. you hung a plastic bag that's just they have to be put in, left in the hallway and yeah. tied up,
0: you know. Or when you invite him over, you, you just say, I need you to wear your cleanest, newest pair of shoes. And we'll just do a process of elimination. Oh. Because if it's the newest shoes and then the smell, then maybe it's the socks. And then the next text message is, <laughs> hey, can you stop by Costco and grab me a rotisserie chicken and a 12 pack of Kirkland brand socks to wear? I'm really into that. And then if his feet still oh. smell, then we do the soap note door okay. thing. <laughs>
1: So, Kev, if it were you, like truly.
0: If my feet smelled that bad, <laughs> trust me, There's, here's what no, I know about you myself. you have
1: to put yourself in it. Be the guy.
0: Never. Be, okay.
1: Okay. Be the guy. Sure. Like, how do you want to be confronted?
0: I ghost that girl. I never <laughs> speak to her ever again. If somebody ever looked at me and was like, listen, I think you're awesome but there's a part of your body that smells so bad that I have to bring it up to you. I just be like, it was so nice knowing you. Please delete all of my contact information. I'm leaving town.
1: Oh, because you're embarrassed?
0: Horribly embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. Horribly embarrassed.
1: What if embarrassed. you really liked her? I mean, what if you really liked her?
0: I mean, I can't fathom. I'm so hygienic. Like It is impossible for my brain to, to function thinking like there is a part of your body that you don't clean well enough that now other people are aware of.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's the hard. feet the,
0: the feet are at least, like, it's a conversation. Like, especially, yeah. like, say this guy works in construction. Say this guy is, like, you know, in the steel-toed boots all day long, mm. or maybe he's, like, feet a... can't breathe. Yeah, he's yeah. an alligator hunter. I don't know. Like, those are, those are very easy conversation to have. You're like, dude, you work construction. Of course your feet smell. Right. Let's get you yeah. new shoes. Let's get you new boots, all that kind of stuff. But if I'm a hygienic person, Mm-hmm. And I just, there's a body part of me that smells and somebody's <laughs> like, all of this is great. 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Those feetsies, they mm-hmm. remind me of Lord of the Rings, Hobbits from the Shire. You need to scrub those things. I mm-hmm. couldn't, I could never function. I could never function. Let us know. <laughs> Let us know what you would do. It's a tough one. All right, Deb, uh, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about food or do you want to talk about food? Thankful. I'm
1: going to talk about food
0: first. Hit us with that food.
1: So, Daddy loves um, like turkey and wild rice soup, or chicken wild rice soup. Okay. And if you've ever been in this house, we throw no food away, hardly ever. True. And so we have a freezer full of what I call, I always, I always label it chicken and bits. So it's the broth, and then bits of the meat. You know. For
0: all of you wondering, what we do is we buy that poisonous rotisserie. Chicken from Costco.
1: Sometimes we buy good organic
0: ones. Mostly the rotisserie one. And then we, like savages, just pick all the meat off of it. Mm -hmm. And then Deb routinely, never, ever, just throws it away. She just throws it in a stock pot and boils the thing to hell and back. Mm -hmm. And so that we have fresh chicken broth.
1: So we always have fresh chicken broth with little bits of meat in it. So I want to use up some of that because he was saying he wants some soup. And it's perfect soup weather it's right now. soup weather right now. So we're going to throw in just a bunch of vegetables, rice. I've got some beautiful Maine wild rice. I'll throw that in. And then I have a whole bunch of fresh Tomatoes that I need to roast. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to roast the uh, tomatoes, and we'll put some of those in after they're roasted with maybe a little one on top, one of the bigger ones. I think it'll be a good soup night. Good soup. Good soup.
0: Good soup. Okay. Shout out TikTok. Uh, Deborah, what are you thankful for this week?
1: Okay, so I had been traveling, Uh and I'm home,
0: right? And you are quickly leaving us again.
1: And I'm quickly leaving you again, but I do want to say... Uh, now it's a little premature. I know we talk about the weather an awful lot here. It's a little premature for it to be this cold, but it's fine because it's blue skies. It's brisk. It's nice. I have slept like a dream all week, partly because I'm exhausted, but partly because it's this nippy cold weather and we're going into probably really cold weather, which I'm not going to love, but I love this time. I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful for it when I go to bed. I'm grateful for it when I wake up. It is the perfect sleeping weather right now. It's
0: a it's great sleeping weather. Uh, I'm not going to share that thankful for, with you, but I a thousand percent understand where you are coming from. I am thankful. I have, I'm at my end with dogs in this neighborhood. I'm I'm an old man who's yelling at clouds right now. I get that. Now you dream of living on 20 acres. The only thing I can control are our dogs. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I can control. No matter how much I fantasize about controlling other people's dogs, whether with my bare hands or a strongly worded letter left at their doorstep, I can only control our dogs, which aren't even my dogs. They're your dogs. (laughs) So we had bought collars for them 18 months ago. Oh, way longer than that. Where you could click a button and it would beep if they started barking, Right. But the problem with that is you have to carry the remote around with you at all times. And because we have two dogs, we have two collars. So we had two remotes. We often forgot which one went to which one. And Nola always bared the brunt of the beep, which freaked her out. Yeah, I found collars that are not shock collars at all. They are a beep collar or and they are a vibrate collar. Mm-hmm. Those collars go on and those two understand that there's something different about those collars. And the other day, because Izzy will bark at people. She's Mm -hmm. not barking at them in a vicious way. Her tail's Mm -hmm. wagging the entire time. She literally wants to jump over the fence and play with them. Nola barks in an aggressive way, but that's because that's all she knows. She's an idiot.
1: Yeah. Nola. Only because she's scared of everything.
0: Scared of everything. Yeah. Nola barked and the collar beeped. That dog went from zero to Mach 7 as fast as humanly possible from one corner of the fence all the way to the back of the house. I felt bad. But it was only a beep. It was only a beep. The thing didn't even vibrate. It was only set on the but beep. The
1: other one, the vibration thing. Yeah. That did did nothing to her.
0: No, but the beep freaked her out so i'm just saying my thankful is that i bought a piece of technology mm. that works it's not going to kill our dogs other than maybe potentially give them a heart attack
1: and izzy who is the smart dog we refer to her as the smart dog yeah. izzy now has taken to if you let her out to go to the bathroom yep. when she's done smelling and going to the bathroom and doing whatever a dog does now she stands at the door and barks to she let you stand in. at the
0: door she stands in the middle of the courtyard <laughs> facing the house and it's not like a aggressive bark but it's like uh i'm still out here i'm still here <laughs> Did you forget about me? I'm here. I'm still here until you let her in. So I'm controlling what I can control in the form of technology that, again, may or may not kill the dogs in the form of a heart attack. But that's what I'm thankful for.
1: Well, good. It's working. In theory. In theory. That's going to do it for
0: this Monday's episode of the Deb and Kev podcast. We will be recording our Thursday podcast before Deb leaves. She will be gone for the Monday podcast, so we are going to try our very first ever full-blown remote Mm. podcast. We're going to give Deb a microphone. We're going to patch her through some software. We're going to record through the sound mixer. It might sound a little different, but hopefully it'll sound better than when she's on the phone. And we're just letting you know because we let you know everything. So bear with us. If it sounds different, we probably know that it'll sound different, but it'll still be the same great content. Deb will just be somewhere else on the globe laughing my guts out hopefully yeah remember to like rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast and you can follow us on all of our social channels at deb and kev pod and you can watch this episode at our youtube channel at deb and kev pod mom i love you to death i love you baby we'll see you guys on thursday thank you for listening to the deb and kev podcast remember to like and
1: subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast Follow Deb and Kev on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at Deb and Kev Pod.